1: Good afternoon and welcome. Parliament is done until the end of September. Uh, the Prime Minister wasn't even there for that last session, which was Andrew shear 's last as opposition leader. And the block leader threatened to trigger an election in the fall unless Trudeau, Finance Minister Bill Morneau and Chief of Staff Katie Telford all resign. Is that a real ultimatum or, as NDP MP Charlie Angus characterized it, a hissy fit? And while we are on the subject of things we, the charity is scaling back its operations, as you heard in Bob's news, making dozens of layoffs in Canada and the UK and looking to sell some of its real estate holdings in Toronto. And there have been a lot of questions about how it amassed those real estate holdings in the first place. Meanwhile, the Conservatives will vote their new leader in at the end of next week. Will it be Peter McKay? And is he the leader they need? Here in Ontario, a sobering update from Finance Minister Rod Phillips. The province is in a recession and it will take a long time to recover. So before we get to our panel, let me ask you. Would you want to go to the polls this fall in the midst of the pandemic? Uh There will be a conservative leader by then. A lot of people don't like Justin Trudeau, but really, do you want another election? Or is that maybe not such a good idea at the moment? Uh Even though uh, we surely would not face the kind of election shenanigans we are expecting south of the border. The numbers to call 416-360-0740. Toll free 1-866-740-4740. And now let's go to Jason Leader, conservative strategist and president at Enterprise. Kim Wright, NDP strategist and principal of Wright Strategies, as well as John Delacourt, liberal strategist and vice president, public affairs at Hill and Knowlton Strategies. Hello, everybody.
2: Hello. Hello,
1: hey Libby. Hey, so let us begin with John because I don't think we've talked before. Welcome, John. First of all, thanks for being with us. Well, thank you.
3: It's a great pleasure to be with you.
1: Okay, so uh, what do you make of this ultimatum that they they should resign or he's going to trigger an election?
3: <laughs> I like what Charlie said. Uh, Charlie, I think is nailed uh, it. This is a heavy spin. Um, I, I think uh, everybody views this as uh, as as. The kind of rhetoric that may play well to uh, Mr. Blancet's base, but that doesn't really resonate outside of the, uh, his base. Um, across the country, I think Canadians look at this and say, that's kind of what my drunk uncle at the dinner table would say. If indeed I could still have dinner with my, with my drunk uncle. Um, I think we're in a, a position where I think uh, Canadians uh, have far uh, more measured an approach and far more, um, uh, I, I think they have questions and concerns about the rollout of the stimulus measures. No question, um, but by the same token, I think they view um, uh, Parliament and uh, the government itself as, as as managing this 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 crisis that we're in uh, ably. Um, at least fifty six percent, of majority of Canadians, right now, are, are, are still still have confidence. And I think that the measures uh, that the government is currently taking, including uh, bringing Mark Kearney back into the tent, as it were, uh, are, are going to shore up some of that confidence.
1: Okay, well, uh, Jason, uh, the Conservatives will have a leader in place. Jason Leader, they'll have a leader in place. Uh. Uh, by september but uh, what do you think about the idea of going to the polls and and uh, is there any support for that
4: I think it's unlikely that we're going to go to the polls I think there's going to be support amongst uh, conservative partisans I think our new leader whoever that is is probably going to be interested in a in a quick election or at least going to be uh, going to be putting forward the position that they're going to be interested in one it gives a heck of a lot of power to the NDP by the way and just so the listeners understand you basically need all three opposition parties to vote for an election to get rid of the, the liberals and, and force one. So when the conservatives in the bloc both say we're going to vote some sort of no confidence in the in the in the government, what that means is the NDP now holds all the cards. So, uh, you know, I'm interested to see what Kim has to say. Uh, you know, Mr. Uh, Singh has showed himself to be like one of the worst negotiators at the poker table so far. Uh, by you know, like letting the government continue all summer without uh, you know, essentially getting anything returned, we'll see if he's a better negotiator this time. But he does hold some cards going forward. So um, I don't, I'm not betting on an election. I think I think there's not enough in it for the NDP to have an election in the next short while.
1: Kim,
5: well, I think he's a lot better negotiator. What we've seen for Canadians has been, you know, expansion out of of uh, the benefits programs ensuring that uh, those with disabilities are are, are properly captured holding the government to account. And and while I always love hearing conservatives say that, you know, Parliament doesn't sit this summer, we gave up all these things, and yet yesterday they were all complaining that Justin Trudeau wasn't in the House to be accountable because the House sat. So all of these things are gamesmanship. I mean, I don't think Canadian Tire has as many games as some of the opposition members want to play on all of this. Uh, But at the end of the day, We are not going to have an election this fall. Uh, it is conversations that make people excited. It certainly sells extra services for, for pollsters and strategists. Uh, but we are not going to the polls this, uh, this uh, early this fall. The conservatives, frankly, uh, will have a lot of fence mending they need to do, uh, before they start. Uh, creating uh, their vision going forward, because there's frankly nothing that has come out of the Conservative leadership race that I would call visionary in any way, shape or form. Uh, so all of these things coming forward, we're going to see the House come back this fall. We're going to see a lot more uh, problems for Canadians, frankly, that need to get sorted out. Uh, whether it's on commercial real estate, whether it's uh, making sure that Canadians are not being evicted from their homes, uh, and certainly how the evolution of the CERB program uh, comes forward. So lots, uh, lots on the legislative agenda, and you bet your boots that the New Democrats will be front and center in negotiating what is good for Canadians.
1: Okay. Um, now, uh, the threat, the ultimatum was the result of, uh, the events surrounding we, a lot of people thought that we were all done with that, that it was fading away, but, uh, you know, new things seem to be cropping up all the time. Uh, John Delacourt is, are we done with we, or, uh, it, you know, are there still more shoes to drop? the
3: shoot to drop um, but I'll say this I think uh, the we hearings at the uh, Finance Committee are a bit of a Rorschach test for Canadians I think those who um, who, um, who, who whose take on this is look these programs were rolling out really quickly and probably too quickly for the for the kind of due diligence that were that was required and they made mistakes I think that's one take on it. And I think many, many people looked at the prime minister's appearance at committee and Katie Telford's and, uh, and there was nothing there to dissuade them from that, uh, conception. Um, and I think, uh, for others, uh, mostly conservative voters, of course, uh, they look at this and they see corruption every, uh, at, at every angle. Um, I don't think it changed minds. I don't think, um, any more revelations will, um, to uh, change minds, either. I think um, it is. It, it, this has really, I think, evolved into a highly partisan debate. And I think most Canadians, um, as usual, are right down the middle on this. They just want to see these programs roll out with the kind of due diligence uh, that uh, that that they expect. And in general, I think they feel that way about how things have gone with the stimulus measures up to
1: now. Interesting. You know, there were a couple of polls that that showed that most Canadians think there's more information to come out, including a large percentage of Liberals, uh, and were saying that it could lead to uh, a change in government sometime down the road. I'd like to give the numbers out again, and people, be patient. We will get to your calls, 416-360-0740, toll-free one eight six six 740 Would you like to go to the polls again in the midst of all of this in the fall? Uh, right now, I'd like to turn, though, to uh, the the conservative leadership race. It's going to wrap up a week tomorrow. So, Jason, is it still looking like a, a sort of shoe in for Peter McKay?
4: I think shoo-in is too strong a word. So here's, here's, my view of, of things in the three main camps. Mr. McKay thinks he's ahead and his people think he's ahead and they're sort of, the kind of wishful thinking that John was just, you know, sort of espousing about the liberals being done with the wee uh, imbroglio, that's that's what Peter McKay's team is saying there, right? Now. I just, I hope I pray that what we think is, is right and that we're ahead of this thing. And he probably is ahead right now. Mr. O'Toole, um, again, a wishful thinking there. They're hoping and praying that the numbers aren't exactly right, that their internal numbers are a little bit better, and they're going to squeak one through because they've got a more second ballot support, they hope, than Mr. McKay. Ms. Le- the, the wild card is, is Leslie Lewis. She's got a lot of, uh, you know, sort of interesting press. I think that people have been rightly impressed by her. Um, and so, you know, the, 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 how she is going to sort of affect this race and how it's been sort of harder to model, I think, for the two main camps to figure out how that's going to impact things. So is it a shoe in? No. Is Mr. or is Mr. McKay the favorite? Yes. Is Mr. Does Mr. O'Toole have a chance? Yes. And does Mrs. Ms. Lewis have a chance to affect the race? 100%.
1: And does she have a chance to win? I don't think so.
4: Um, I, I think, and that's no slight on, on Ms. Lewis. I mean, she's just not as well known as, as the other two. She hasn't been campaigning for years. Like they've been, they've been, they've been involved in federal politics between them, you know, for, you know, the better part of a lifetime here. And so, and so she probably doesn't have a chance to win. And I, I don't think I'm breaking the news to her if she's listening right now, but she probably isn't going to win this thing. But my goodness, she has got the most momentum. She has, uh, you know, curried the most uh, new support. And I got to tell you, I think there's a lot of people who are have come out of this thing as Lesley Lewis fans, and I'm, I'm certainly one of them.
1: Kim, how is this going to change uh, the dynamic? I mean, Andrew Shear was, was a lame duck, and uh, now you're going to have a brand new leader, presumably, who is going to start focusing his or her attention outside the party. Well, you would have thought that the conservatives would have learned from
5: the new Democrats mistake of letting Tom Mulcair, uh stick around and, and continue to poison the well. Uh, certainly Andrew Shear has done that in the last uh, several months. Every time uh, he went on air or tried to put positions forward, it was just roundly rejected, even within conservatives who were just like, could you please just stop talking? Um, I'll, I'll give uh, some of the, some really good uh, credit to some of the campaign managers. And Lewis has uh, certainly put on a strong campaign, and her campaign manager, uh, Steve Out, has uh, certainly deserves a lot of credit uh, for how they've managed that uh, campaign and managing what is, frankly, a fickle group of conservatives, which is the social conservatives. Uh, she has ran a campaign where you can be social conservative, but be respectful, as opposed to, say, Derek Sloan, who is just you know, torched every uh, bit of respectability that he could possibly do. Everything from uh, how he views science and masks to social social issues. Those type of uh, commentaries that Derek Sloan and campaigns that he has run not only have annoyed uh, internal uh, folks uh, in the conservative movement, uh, but it, it it makes it fairly frankly uh, easier for people like me uh, during campaigns to say. Those are the kind of conservatives that we have concern about when we start talking about uh, women's rights to choose, uh, and, and a, frankly, a whole range of issues, including gay rights, that Andrew Scheer, uh continued to bungle over the course of the last election and subsequently. So there's a lot coming out of this, and, and there's going to be a lot of repair needed between the McKay people and the O'Toole people, because they have taken some very direct and personal shots at each other.
1: Yeah the the word is that that this this one is really really a lot nastier than the other one is 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 that going to allow the liberals in a minority government uh you know not to worry about them for longer john
3: Well I think it's this um the challenge that McKay faces um is indeed uh he wins the leadership is uh that he doesn't have a seat in the house I think uh, Aaron O'Toole's uh strong strategic advantage here at least uh, on the on the virtual floor uh, is that he can say to conservatives across the country that it will hold uh, our government to account um, and and not only that that he you know he'll take on trudeau uh, every day in the house of commons be it virtual or actual um, so I think that's 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 one factor in Mr. O'Toole's favor, um, uh, but um, there's no question. I think, uh, as we all know, that um, the Conservatives have to redefine themselves, and uh, and and I think the the more they uh, they hew to the line of safe hands to handle a post-COVID economic recovery, the better. And that means less rhetoric uh, that is uh, of the uh, Derek Sloan variety, um, and more uh, about uh, uh, steady hands um, uh, and fiscal policy that, that makes sense for Canadians that, that uh, gets us out of uh, the economic trench that uh, that we're in right now. Um, so that's the opportunity for them. But, uh, but by the same token... Um, um, I, I, I see this as, right now, uh, I don't think anybody is, is looking to uh, at a an election anytime soon. I think uh, the work of, of defining yourself as as, uh, as the opposition and having a leader uh, that can lead in the House are the greater challenges right now.
1: Okay, let's hear from Bill in Toronto. Hi, Bill.
3: Hi. I'm not sure when you say shenanigans going on in the
6: uh, U.S. elections. I'm not sure what you mean, but anyway... Let's focus on this one. So I'm a voting conservative uh, uh, member of the party. Okay. And I voted for Lewis and I voted for Sloan. And I didn't vote for anybody else. I had a third vote. I just, I I couldn't cast it for the other two. Uh, So, so, uh,
1: um, so you're, are you a social conservative then?
6: No, I'd say I'm a, I'm a conservative conservative.
1: Okay, because they are both uh, categorized as as uh, social conservatives, and and Leslie Lewis, I mean, she's uh, modern. Uh, I would say take on that she's a woman of color, uh, and um, very that's impressive. Nothing,
6: that that's got nothing to do with it. I, I love what she said. The unfortunate thing with her is I wish she had some skin in the game. Or if she had actually been in, you know, elected like two or three times, she'd walk away with this thing in a heartbeat.
1: Uh, right. Well, she's, uh, she just getting started in the political game. So, uh, maybe her time will be next time, but yeah, by all accounts, she's a very impressive woman.
6: And- uh, no, they, to me, uh, Lewis and Sloan are the only real conservative. O'Toole and, uh, McKay, I couldn't even, I, I wouldn't even put them down for my third choice. Uh, and so it's a long shot. I hope one of these two win and, uh, if not, the only good thing is we've got here, Polly, sitting in the uh, the weeds waiting to come up and rescue us all.
1: Okay, thanks. All right, let's go to Ronan Guelph. Hello. 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 Okay, Ronan Guelph, you're on the air.
4: Thanks for taking my call. Well, as in the fact that Peter McKay was dating Belinda Stronic, we won't go down that road. But anyway, I think he's a. Uh, I think he would make a much better um, competitor for um, uh, Justin Trudeau. Uh, He's got a lot more experience. Um, He's only got a couple of very small ghosts in his closet in terms of a helicopter ride to Newfoundland or something. Aaron O'Toole has still got some comments that he made that were considered a little bit too far far right for a lot of people. So there's my opinion.
1: Okay, Ron. Thanks for your call. Okay. Okay. Uh, so uh, there you have it. That's not exactly a, uh, a, a random uh, scientific <laughs> sample of conservative voters, uh, but um, there you have it. And the consensus that I've heard throughout this is that Leslie Lewis uh, is very impressive, uh, but probably not her time yet. And a lot of people you know, we Pierre Polyevra decided not to run this time around. And then uh, his performance throughout this, a lot of people are very impressed with that as well. Um, Kim, what do you think?
5: Yeah, it's a lot easier to uh, not to be in the race on a leadership and, and still look pristine than, than going down the road of, of, of campaigning across the country, putting in the miles, shaking hands and, and what have you. And, and certainly the debate stage. So, um, there's certainly lots to be heard from Leslie Lewis. There's lots to be heard from from others within the Conservative Party. We'll, we're starting to see, you know, Michelle Rempel continue to uh, come forward from the Conservative Party. There's a lot within their benches uh, that that they can they can look to. Um, but in terms of one of the things that's going to be interesting, and all of this, you know, elections always come down to the ballots that are cast and are actually put in the box and how they will unfold. They're also having to rely, goodness help them, on Canada Post getting those uh, ballots to, to the counting rooms on time. And I'm, and I'm hearing situations where people who'd mailed ballots back in two, three weeks ago still haven't been received, uh, by the conservative offices. So not to add conspiracy theories to all of this, which is, but what we're seeing are, from the campaigns are a very strong, uh, get out the vote strategy, uh, you know, going and picking up the ballots, going, you know, couriering them, doing everything they can to make sure they're in there. That's the smart play because ultimately, it doesn't matter who they support; it matters what's in the ballot box.
1: Okay, yeah, another wrinkle for us for for us to follow. Uh, yesterday, the finance minister here in Ontario, Rod Phillips, gave a very sobering update for us. Uh, the province is in a recession. That shouldn't be a surprise to anyone the deficit has ballooned it's nearly doubled since march when we were already in pandemic mode and um he was uh you know very straight about how long it might take to recover so here we are and we have a conservative government that came in to you know clean up the deficit and all of that and uh, they are mired in it jason
4: yeah well it's it's the, the clean up the deficit's not going to happen you're talking about you know you, you you thought you were coming in and doing some renovations and then you realized that uh, you had to knock down the house <laughs> and start from scratch right that's that's what that's what happened here so yeah. um I, I don't know what there is to say about this right they the, uh i think the government's prioritized health and safety among, amongst uh, all else there'll be there's plenty of calls for more spending on all sorts of different things i think they've they've you know they've Turned into a government over the last year that really did probably what was required uh, over the course of the last little bit. It's been, a, I think, a really good partner for the feds. And uh, you know, I like think John mentioned earlier, you know, you've got a couple of governments. You know, you, so you've got seven conservative governments across the country. You've got, you know, the NDP running BC, and you've got you know, federal liberals, um, you know, sort of in Ottawa, you know, uh, and so uh, you, they've really had to change, change gears in terms of getting along in terms of putting, you know, sort of political differences beside them. That's cost a lot of money, but I think that's the cost of doing business. I think people want to know that their kids are safe, that they're safe, that their family's safe. And, you know, there's been some missteps over the way, but I would say that Canada, by and large, has managed this crisis economically and uh, from a health-wise perspective much better than most and certainly better than our southern neighbors. That's not a high bar. But I think uh, Mr. Ford and his and Mr. Phillips have something to do with that. And I think Mr. Trudeau and his team and some of the other provincial governments as well. So good news for all of them. But, yeah, the cost, uh, the bill is going to come due.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, uh, as you mentioned, getting along, the, sometimes when I see the level of romance between Doug Ford and John Tory, it's really quite something. I <laughs> mean, ye- yesterday, but, uh, I they, say, they... I didn't
4: think I was going to see that last year or the year before. The, I thought the, they'd go to the death uh, choking each other, you know? Yeah, I mean,
1: <laughs> even with uh, Patrick Brown, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, uh, it is quite astonishing. Uh, but, you know, uh, I'm wondering about two things. You know, we see to be in a quiet period. But uh, there's lots of concern over what's going to happen when the kids go to school. Yesterday, the premier said he's not lowering class sizes. Today, they've got a big announcement. Maybe they are lowering class sizes. And, and there's that long-term care thing. They keep saying, yes, we're going to fix it. But there's no indication that they are actually doing anything except accelerating the building of a few beds here and there
5: yeah and and that's it, Libby. Like the challenge with all of this is we we've dealt with the majority of Covid in the spring and summer months where people could get outside. Now that we're looking at a, a second wave into the fall and winter months when people are going to be into more spaces, how do we make sure that that's done carefully considered and measured? And also when we start to go back into second waves into long-term care facilities uh, and and how those will spread through. None of the changes that continue to be talked about, that got talked about for a generation prior to COVID, and certainly was the prime minister uh, for the premier's top priority, it still hasn't been fixed. None of the changes have been made. None of the none of the smart thinkers around the table have come up with solutions. How do we move this forward? So that's going to be key and critical. And I don't see solutions being brought forward, and and that frankly quite frightens me for how we're going to manage through. Uh, the next component of this as kids are going back to school, as, as long-term care facilities and, and others go through. So there's lots of work still to be done, for sure.
1: Well, in long-term care, you know, they, just, they need money and they need to hire people and they need to find the people to hire because there's a shortage. Let's hear from Lucy in Toronto. Hi, Lucy. Oh, hello. Thank you for putting me on your program. Um,
2: I think that Rod Phillips, the Finance Minister for Ontario, should resign. I think he's done a terrible job. The deficit is unbelievably high. Uh, uh, Ontario will go bankrupt if it if it has a deficit over twenty billion. I mean, what is he thinking? It, 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 I don't know what they're thinking. Spending all this
1: money, sure. So, what are you thinking? What are you saying? They shouldn't have helped all those people who are
2: around? no, no. I I don't. I think they should have helped them, but I mean. There's a cutoff point for everything with the huge amount of unemployment in the, in Ontario and people going forward. Um, you know, all the companies, everything, uh, you know, the people without work, the companies without, uh, going down. I mean, I think it's negative I think it's horrible that he should come out with that kind of,
1: um, Okay. no Okay, Lucy, I get your drift. Thanks for your call. Uh, don't know how you help people without spending money on it. Um, do uh, John? Do you have a sense of whether that there's a, a widespread feeling on that out there? Yeah,
3: yeah. It, it was interesting uh, back in April. Um, one of uh, one of the polling uh, firms uh, nationally uh, looked at. Trust in government and government institutions, and they saw an uptick. They saw um, numbers to suggest that Canadians uh, um, were looking to government uh, with fresh eyes, with uh, with a with a view to how they were a partner and how they and how they could truly incent the kind of economic recovery that uh, that we're going to require. Um, those numbers, I think, are still uh, are are still up up around the. Uh, uh, above 50, I believe. So the majority of Canadians are still looking to government as, as, you know, a, a strong positive force, uh, to, to get them through this, this, this economic, uh, trench we're in. So in that, in that respect, I think, um, uh, uh that, affects the political landscape writ large of course um you know jason uh referred to the fact that uh you know the provinces have been working uh in tandem with the federal government there's a lot to agree upon in terms of uh what we need to provide for canadians and that's from sector to sector i mean we're looking at seismic shifts in the retail sector in the services sector um and and any walk down main street in a small town in ontario i think will tell you that um and so uh you know uh, these uh Desperate uh, times call for desperate measures right now, too.
1: Okay. Uh, So we'll uh, give our other two panelists a little chance to wrap it up. 20 seconds each. Kim? Yeah, absolutely. Politics makes strange bedfellows. But
5: ultimately, what we're seeing is people having to understand that the fundamentals of Canadian society... Governments have a significant role to play as a facilitator of those and certainly to make sure that monies flow through. What I'm hoping to see coming out of all of this is a resurgence in the idea of things like paying your employees properly, making sure health and health and safety are maintained, and even, goodness gracious, a
1: universal benefit program. Okay. And Jason?
3: Uh
4: I consider myself, uh, you know, a, a libertarian, a conservative, small C and big C. And I got to tell you, like, this, this this kind of thing that I, I, I sympathize with the caller and I, I, I do worry about the cost of all of this. So, you know, I think we're going to see people talking about capital gains, tax increases and yeah, tax increases across the board. And we're going to pretend that the, quote, rich can pay for it. But that's just not the way it works. It's not the way that that system works. But the problem is, and I think, Kim, you, you said it very well, this if, if government. If not now, when does government get involved? And this is a health and a safety crisis, and it's a financial crisis. Government's had to do what it needed to do. Um, we do have to turn the page a little bit, but you know this is this was an emergency, and government acted as such.
1: Okay, thank you all, John Delacourt, Kim Wright, and Jason Leader. Appreciate your time. Thank you. Thank you. Thank
0: you. See you Libby. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one.